Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's PS the Podcast. My name is Will Price. With me is my co-host and good friend, Mike Spack. And Mike, it's been a busy week in the sports world and entertainment world. But besides all that, how are you doing? Pretty good. It's Dude, we had like 70-degree weather this week. It was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. I can feel my, my seasonal depression slowly fading away. Oh I'm, well, I'm ready I mean, to be back outside for good. That that's that's the good thing. I mean, I do have a question for you though. How many NFTs have you bought this week? Um, zero. I, to be quite honest, I don't even know what an NFT is yet. So I'm still trying to figure all. Don't that worry, out. people that are buying them don't know what NFTs are yet. Right. All I know is some band is what was it a. Uh, what band is it that's like selling their next album? Isn't it like Imagine Dragons or something? Oh, it's not Imagine Dragons. It's uh, it was more of a two thousands band. I forget um, who it is though. Yeah, I'm blanking. But anyway, NFTs aside, let's get into our first topic of the week, which is the NFL franchises have been very busy. None busier than the Dallas Cowboys, who finally signed Dak Prescott to a new deal. Four years worth $160 million, 126 guaranteed, about $42 million a year in the first three seasons. And in just this year alone, he will earn a $75 million signing bonus. So who's the real winner in this scenario? And... Did the Cowboys shoot themselves in the foot by waiting this long to re-sign Dak? I think it's a deal that should have gotten done a lot sooner because they stretched this out by franchise tagging them twice. Uh, I'm happy to see that Dak, you know, he he wanted $40 million a year. He's getting more than that, especially more if you count the, you know, the incentives and the signing bonus, which is awesome for him. Awesome to see that Jerry Jones didn't look at the injury and go, wow, we're going to try to lowball you. It's kind of a weird contract because, like, there's also, like, this weird – it's kind of a six-year deal with a two-opt-out, which helps them because it basically means that I think after the first year or something, Dak's contract hit is only going to be, like, $28 million a year mm-hmm. uh, for the cap, which is really going to help the Cowboys. Yeah. They were specifically looking at not – because the Cowboys are known for not paying their quarterbacks. It's just – it's just how they've operated for decades now. And I think they were looking at ways to continue to wallow in mediocrity while still having a lot of cap space going <laughs> forward. So I think they were able to, to do that well. If I'm Dak Prescott, I'm happy about that, that opt-out because I don't, I don't think the Cowboys are going to really get any better, honestly. And yeah. he... I think he his value for with another team is uh, way larger. I mean, it's hard for him. He's been a lifelong Cowboys fan. He's wanted to be a Cowboys quarterback his entire life. So I understand that. But, man, I, I really wanted to see him bet on himself. And um, yes, yeah, the Cowboys did slight him for two straight years. And even looking at, at last year, the only reason that they were able to have any sort of relevancy in that godforsaken division that is the NFC East is because of, of Prescott's play. And well, then, yeah, we saw that. 
Because the and minute he went down, injured. he didn't score a touchdown for, th- for what, nine quarters? <laughs> yeah, it was bad. So, anyway, congrats to Dak Prescott for getting paid, but he's still in the dungeon that is Dallas and can't be too happy about that. Yeah. Um, in other news, the NFL has decided to screw the entire rest of the franchises by shortening the salary cap for 2021. Uh, uh, we knew this was coming. But I didn't. I did not expect it to be this much. Honestly, it's almost yeah. ten million less than what they had to spend with last year. So, the new salary cap for this upcoming year is one eighty-two point five. And with that, you saw a lot of moves going on this week. <laughs> um, we'll get into the Steelers' moves later. But starting off with the Chargers, the Chargers are not franchise tagging Hunter Henry. He's going to be a free agent. Kenny Galladay for the Lions is going to be a free agent. He's not receiving a franchise tag. Bears have franchise tagged Allen Robinson, so he's staying for at least another year. Same with Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers have wisely put a franchise tag on him and found a way to extend Levante David and Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, according to SPAC, Brady's the only Bucks QB in history to sign an extension in, in the franchise's history, which is remarkable and he's only been there a year so <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, hilarious i find that that keep in mind this franchise has been around since 1976 and this is now just the first time that they've had a quarterback sign a second deal with them and then also this this move to uh extend brady is going to move cap around and possibly allow them to secure and sign uh shack barrett yeah which is which is huge for them i really do applaud the buccaneers because you look at their makeup of the team and we saw all the, all the holes that they needed to fill coming out of the Super Bowl, And it's so far, they're doing a fantastic job plugging all those holes. Um, so they might be poised for a, a back-to-back run if they play Let's the cards see. right. Especially now that, you know, we talked about uh, quickly hitting on the 182.5 for, <laughs> I think teams now have, when that came down, they had seven days to short it. That was, I think Monday or Tuesday, I think we're looking at four or five days. These teams have to get under the cap Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that's the start of the new league year. And we we mentioned Tampa Bay. They have to play the Saints twice a year and the Saints beat them twice last year, which caused the Buccaneers to lose the division and they had to play in wild card. And now the Saints are 32 million over and have four days to figure it out. Yeah. And they don't have a clear, they don't have a clear starting quarterback going into next year. Uh, whatever is going on with Drew Brees, he hasn't, he still hasn't fully announced his retirement. Although Cam Jordan seems to think that he's he's done. The Taysom Hill project was successful in some eyes, but unsuccessful in others. And then we've got famous Jameis. So I think it's going to be Jameis. It'll be interesting. I you know. Either way, we know that it's not going to be a one-quarterback system. It hasn't been since Taysom Hill joined the fray, so he's going to get on the field somehow. Continuing with uh, more moves, we have the Seahawks releasing Carlos Dunlap and Chris Carson. Chiefs release former uh, number one overall pick in, uh, I believe, 2007, Eric Fisher. The Saints release Janoris Jenkins. And the Patriots, surprisingly, are bringing back Cam Newton on another one-year deal. So yeah. out of those deals, Spack, which one was the mo- 
do you see as the most impactful? I think the Chiefs releasing Eric Fisher is pretty impactful because I think they now only have one O-lineman returning to their O-line, but the one that is returning was injured all year. So now they're, they're going to have a completely new O-line, I think, next year. And I also believe that Mitchell Schwartz is out too. Yep. So we forgot to mention this, but the, the Chiefs are also restructuring Pat Mahomes' uh, <laughs> deal already. Already, uh, to, not even a year after he's But I think that the thing is for them that I'm sure that the rest of the league is just kind of licking their chops after watching that very poor Super Bowl performance by the Chiefs O-line as it was. There doesn't seem to be a plan in place for the Chiefs to replace any of that talent. So, but it seems to me that they they understand that it, they need to they need to capitalize on what they have now and and turn a turn a page of source on their O line. Yup, it's uh, and then Patriots bringing back Cam. He's getting paid backup money. They're not bringing yeah. him back huge deal. high end this- backup money, but it is backup money. It's a good deal, though. I mean, if you look at their roster, I, and it, there was so much speculation with New England. Oh, they might go after Marcus Mariota. They might go after Mitch Trubisky. That's like, well, they had Cam, and Cam is kind of still, you know, better than Mitchie Trubes or Marcus Mariota. So, though, I think if they're, I mean, depending on how much you'd have to give up to get Trubisky, because I don't think Trubisky would be terrible. Uh, I looked at the playoff game they lost, and... I think Matt Nagy did his best job in the world to try to bench him and make a justification for getting rid of him because when he got benched, they were like three and Oh, uh, when they went to Foles and then when he went back, he actually was one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the league. And I don't think he was the reason why they lost that playoff game. He had two perfectly thrown balls that were just horrible drops, both, both in the end zone that, uh, you know, if the bears get one of them. I think they win the game against the saints, but I mean, Cam, played well before he got COVID. And then also keep in mind that his two starting wideouts and top weapons were undrafted guys. So I, I'm yeah. not ready to abandon Cam Newton yet. And it's a favorable deal as the Patriots look to maybe get someone in the draft or hope something falls in their place. They were seven and nine. They have holes, but we'll see what they do when they get their, you know, eight, nine players that opted out back. And then also that 60, what, 60 some million they have for free agency. Yeah. See how they use that. Yeah. I I guess I think people are surprised because it seemed like most people, and this could still happen, but most people were looking at that first round pick for the Patriots and like, obviously they're going to go quarterback, right? That's not so obvious anymore. And we knew that this would happen with these mock drafts that yeah. as moves came down the pike like uh like i the most impactful one for me and this is partially because this is a homer pick but i knew chris godwin was gonna uh get the franchise tag in tampa bay i was not so sure that the bears and Allen robinson would be staying together because Allen robinson shown his display his displeasure in chicago you know he hasn't had a, a true top flight quarterback in his career yet yet he's putting up unreal catches and, and great numbers. And so I was like, okay, Allen Robinson, like get out of Chicago, 
go somewhere like Miami and then Miami can, and and then Miami can focus. Oh my gosh, if he went to Green Bay. I mean, they wouldn't do anything with him because it's Green Bay. They'd probably just lose in the NFC championship again. But that would have been him and Aaron Rodgers and Devonta Adams and the the rest of that core that they have. Scary. I, I'm happy you brought back the Allen Robinson because that was the one that disappointed me the most. Because, but you know, now that Godwin and Robinson, both both of the Penn State wide receivers are franchise tagged, that has now drastically changed the the free agent market for wide receivers. Which I think now you're looking at Galladay and possibly Juju Smith-Schuster being the top two guys that we're going are now going to headline that free agent class because I think we'd both put Robinson and Godwin over Galladay and Juju. But guess what? They're locked down now, so now we got to shift and look at where it is. So I think we're going to possibly see a lot of teams try to throw big money now at Juju and Galladay uh, to lure them to their teams. But we'll we'll get to Steelers news here in a second. Yeah. So Steelers news, Bud Dupree is not coming back on the franchise tag. He's headed to free agency. The Bills have released John Brown, wide receiver John Brown, and He's looking at the Steelers and the Colts at, at the top of his list of teams to sign with. So interesting developments there. Still no news on Juju Smith-Schuster, despite everyone, literally everyone on Twitter, continuing to say, sign Juju, sign Juju. People, they can't sign Juju right now. They're working on it. Yeah, I think they're just back. opening negotiations this week. They want to sign him back. Juju wants to be in Pittsburgh. Be patient. I mean... Seriously, the Inters can be the worst sometimes. <laughs> and in more draft news, it looks like James Conner will not be back. So we're looking at some talent at the running back position. And one player that stands out is Clemson running back Travis Etienne. And he had a Zoom call with Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin. And they think that he'd be a good fit in the offense. I tend to agree. And not to mention, he just ran a 4-4-40 in his uh, Clemson Pro Day this past week. So we need that We need that dynamic runner. I don't think that ETN will be called on to be an every down back, but definitely the primary back with, with maybe Benny Snell continuing to be that, that short yardage back. Um, but ETN is the most prolific runner in Clemson uh, football history. And he's got a championship pedigree, so I would not mind him joining the team. Just not in the first round. Yeah, well, I was going to say, if, if you're going to spend it, they're going to take him in the first round. When we, we, we hit on that last week, where if they take a running back in the first round, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. So I, I'm more than fine with Javante Williams. Uh, I basically suckered myself into believing Javante Williams. Is the one I got is the one guy I want. That is that is more likely in the position that the Steelers have in the second round. Um, so I yeah I I would tend to agree with you, but you know we're not gonna be mad if they if ETN falls to the Steelers. And then lastly, Vikings legend and former Detroit Lion and Washington football teams Adrian Peterson mentioned that Pittsburgh is a dream destination for him to play. I don't okay, let let's get one thing out of the way. This is not the same Adrian Peterson. Oh yeah. He hasn't been the same Adrian Peterson for five years now. A decade? 
No, I'll get. I mean, his. Uh, I mean, he did get injured. I think what 2014, sometime around then, and then he had the incident with his son in 2015. So, pretty. I'll, I'll say in the last five six years, he has not been, you know, the same legendary running back that he once was. But, I yeah, I just. It's nice, Adrian Peterson. It's nice that you'd like to join the Steelers, but I, I just don't see it happening. No, I don't either. It, it's such that signing, too, where it's like if you're playing Madden and you're a kid and it's like one of the older ones, you're like, oh, yeah, Adrian Peterson. Because it, it it screams like Emmett Smith Cardinals years, right? Or like you just tr- spend your seventh round pick to get Emmett Smith and just play one year with Emmett Smith and then he retires. Yeah. It's kind of the thing that this would be. But – uh, I want to go back to John Brown for a second. I was a big John Brown fan when he was with the Bills. He missed a lot of time because he was hurt last year. He did have a quote, which was he was on Sirius NFL radio uh, mentioning destinations. He, yeah, well, like Will said, he floated out Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. The quote he said was the Pittsburgh Steelers, Big Ben is definitely good with the deep ball and, and the Indianapolis Colts. I I, I don't know if uh, John Brown was looking at the same quarterback that, yeah. <laughs> that, that we what saw. What was he there. watching last year? Was he watching like 20, 2017 tape? <laughs> but I I mean, I would be more than happy with John Brown joining for the right price, especially if we lose Juju. But I think right now we're still only $6 million over. We don't really have enough money to sign anyone right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not confident that there's going to be any splashes in free agency this year. The Steelers are going to have to build through the draft and get back above water. Um, Sounds like business as usual. We never, we never really get any big free agency signs. Right. Yeah. Welcome to Steelers football. I guess the biggest signing over the last couple of years has probably been Joe Hayden, although that was a trade. So it's a trade. So I think maybe Steven Nelson, because we signed him in free agency. Next, we've got NBA news, and this is real quick. The Nets have reached a deal with former Pistons and Clippers uh, forward Blake Griffin, seemingly making the ultimate super team in Brooklyn. As you can recall, the Nets already have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, two of them being former MVPs and uh, two of them also being former NBA champions. So adding Blake Griffin to the shuffle on top of having players like DeAndre Jordan, uh, you've got sharpshooter Joe Harris. Spack, do you think that this Nets team, as they're built right now, can challenge and defeat the Lakers in a seven-game series for the finals? If they're all on the court at the same time, yes, because right now they've played a lot of time where this guy's been out, two guys Mm -hmm. have been out. Uh, if you put it all together when we near the playoffs here, I think definitely because they're a deadly team when you can get them all on the floor. And we haven't seen egos get in the way yet. To my understanding, Blake Griffin is not the the Blake Griffin of the Clippers old where he was just smashing dunks left and right. And no, being a this beat. Blake Griffin has no more knees and he has no jump shot. Exactly. So he's going to be a role player, which, I mean, if Blake Griffin steps in, possibly could be a good role player. We'll see. Yeah, but he's not going to be taking attention away from the big three that's already there. Yeah, and I think the thing with Griffin as well is 
he's he's not going to be a starting piece. They, I think they know that going in. I think they've got their starting rotation, like you said, when everyone's healthy. But they're looking to him to play that that five role in a small ball situation, which seems to be really popular since uh, the the Warriors have been able to to pull that off pretty well. You know, the Lakers have a smaller lineup as well that that works really well for them. So. I think this is basically a move to combat that that aspect, and on top of that, it's it's costing them almost no money. I think he signed for like the veterans min- minimum for the next year. So, yeah, Blake Griffin. It on paper, you know, people that may not be watching the NBA as closely, that looks like a huge splash deal. How the heck did the Brooklyn Nets pull that off? But in reality. It's it's a it's a building block. It's a building piece towards potentially a championship team come this summer. So we'll see how that plays out. But kudos to the Nets from going to absolute mediocrity to one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. So I'm just hoping the Sixers can stay healthy. The Joel Embiid injury has me scared. Yeah, I mean Embiid's never been the healthiest player, but. I don't think it's an ACL, so he should be all right. But I saw Twitter blowing up when he when he limped out of uh, last night's game. It was yeah, it just comes a crushing blow because we already had the the BS of the of the All Star game, and then this happens. It's just a yeah. whole cluster. Yeah. All right. In NHL news, Disney and the NHL have reached uh, an agreement on the seven year deal. As you know, the NHL has been has had a great partnership with NBC and NBC Sports, but it looks like Disney is continuing their monopoly over entertainment, and they want the NHL to be a part of that. Um, they've already got deals with the NBA and the NFL, so and they've got they've got Sunday Night Baseball as well. Whenever that starts up. But yeah, I I think this is a good deal. I think yeah, break down the deal for us back. Yeah, well, first off, I think for the last what is it? It feels like over a decade, right? They've been solely with NBC. That's the only national circulation they've had. And I think if you're a hockey fan, it gets really annoying when you get to Stanley Cup playoff time and maybe two of the possible seven games, if you get to seven games, are played on NBC and the rest are played on NBCSN. And we have the news that NBCSN is going bye-bye next year. And then Winston Hockey will move to USA Network as NBC restructures itself. I think Peacock might also be involved with some games as well. But basically look for Wednesday Night Hockey to move to USA, which is going to move NXT. What that's just the, We've already kind of seen that is going to happen because there's no way NXT is going to stay in that time slot on Wednesdays. Yeah, when I hockey- think NXT is moving to Tuesdays and they're – the second half of it is going to be on Peacock, actually. That's we'll see how that goes with the for one hour, and then catch the second hour on Peacock. We'll see how uh, NBC utilizes that. But uh, and then I'm, I'm assuming the Sunday showcase will still be on NBC as well. But looking at the ABC deal, that big highlight here, number one, it's a seven year deal and it starts next year. And the Stanley Cup final is going to be broadcast on four of the seven years of the deal on ABC. So boom, national television, the NBA finals are on ABC every year. It does great, great numbers. And I'm uh, hoping that carries over to the Stanley cup final 25 exclusive national exclusive games will be broadcast on ABC or ESPN. 
75 national regular season games streaming exclusively on on ESPN Plus and Hulu. And then half of the Stanley Cup playoffs will be on ABC and ESPN. And I think that'll help out NBC too, because if we got, because I love like the first two nights of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but like NBC stretching, always stretching when playoffs start. Cause like maybe you'll have one game on NBCSN, then USA, and then like MSNBC is the other one. It, it gets crazy. And I don't think they have enough networks. So the splitting it on both networks is fine. My main concern though is like we, we've always dogged ESPN for years and not having any hockey coverage. I think they will be bringing back NHL, NHL tonight. Uh, which will be cool to see, but like who, who are the commentators going to be? Like if we're going to have Stephen a doing hockey commentary, no, like, no, no, like, no. like MMA, it's going to be a disaster, but I I'm excited to see the, you know, the presentation. Hopefully they bring back Gary Thorne. That would be, that would be awesome to see. But overall, I think it's a good deal for the NHL and it's going to help them in the long run because I think just with NBC has kind of been a stagnation thing that's kind of overall hurt them. Yeah. Well, if we if we look back to this is not a necessarily new thing. You know, uh the NHL used to be broadcast on uh NBC back in the 90s up until about 2000 uh from ni- they had a run from you mean uh, you mean ABC ESPN? <laughs> yeah, they they had a run in the early '90s, and then it went from '99 to 2004, and then obviously NBC bought it up. But just taking a look at some of the people that were involved back then, we had John Saunders, rest in peace, Gary Thorne, Mike Emmerich, Al Michaels, Bill Clement, Jim Schoenfeld, John Davidson. Al Morganti, Barry Melrose, Chris Berman, Steve Levy, Dan Strader, Darren Pang, Brian Emblem, Aaron Andrews, and Sam Ryan. Out of those people, I, I, you know, it's almost a guarantee that Steve Levy is going to be a part of it in some way. Unfortunately, Barry Melrose is going to be a part of it as well. I think he's kind of just a little bit too lackluster for me. Um, they might try to steal Doc Emmerich from the from NBC. Well, he's retired. So, I feel like they're gonna have to pay him a lot of money to come back. But I mean, they've I, got the money. They've yeah, got I mean, the money, and this seems to be a long-term investment for them. So, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't mention Bucci Grass. Uh, well, Bucci Grass wasn't on that original list, but Bucci Grass will definitely be a part of that, I'm sure. But also, you know, they've got they've got college hockey announcers as well. Not as well versed in those names yet, but well, I know Bucci Gross does one of the he does some of the college hockey games, so so would not be a surprise that they'll find a way. Moving back to some football related news, we've got um, Penn State football conditionally opting in for appearing in the upcoming EA Sports COD football video game. Zach, what's your reaction to that? Was that just did you expect this to happen? I expected us to opt in. I think a lot of the teams that have opted out, I think who like Notre Dame and Miami have opted out so far. We're all still trying to figure out what the, you know, what the parameters and the pay is going to be for this thing. And when we, when we talked about this news, I think how many episodes ago, this is a multi, this is going to be a thing that's going to happen years down the line. We still got to get this all sorted out. 
Penn State's just going, yeah, we're going to be in it because it's it's good for Penn State, especially that Notre Dame's not going to be in it. Miami's not going to be in it. That's better for you. You know, Penn State's one of the other blue blood programs that you hope, you, you know, you would hope to be in the game. Uh, but I think overall, when this thing eventually does come out and they get contracts and money wise of how you're going to pay people. Yeah, I think they'll all, all be in it. But like, we'll see. I mean, we, we don't even have a gameplay cover trailer or anything yet. This is all still years in the making. But Penn State is just basically saying, yeah, we're down. That's 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 the news of it. Yeah, I don't think it's much to look into. And I'm not even sure that's going to be a good game, but I'm probably going to buy it. So joke's on I me. After getting burned on Avengers and Cyberpunk, I don't think I'm ever going to buy a game at launch ever again. <laughs> but I have to say, knowing how recent EA Sports football games have gone, I have absolutely no faith in this. Yeah. Anyway, next we've got Penn State uh, prospect in the, in this upcoming year, Jason Oa running an unofficial four three eight forty. It's not even pro day yet, but he's out here. We have video of it. <laughs> yeah, it's unreal. Just to give you some perspective, Saquon Barkley ran a four four one at the combine during his year. So Jason Owe at the DN position and heavier than Saquon Barkley is running a four three eight. The kid is an absolute monster, and that's that's what I said in our mock draft special. It's going to propel him to a higher stock than anyone ever realized. And and a and a draft that looks to be loaded at edge. Jason Owe cementing himself with a four three eight unofficial. We'll see what he runs at Penn State's pro day at the end of the month here. But the fact that we have video of it too, which and, and I believe the the recording of this was like the by the same company that produces the ones for the NFL. So like this is a really good unofficial. This isn't like someone just with a stopwatch. I think they did laser that too. So that's awesome. But yeah, this is th- that's a number that propels you into day one from day two. I'll yeah. say that right now. <laughs> yeah. Next in recruiting news, uh, Penn State's continuing to build on their phenomenal 2022 class um, with the signing of four-star QB, Drew Alar. He's 6'5", 220 last year um, in, in high school football. He had 2,962 yards and 26 touchdowns from Medina High School in Ohio. Um, another Ohio uh, football recruit at quarterback. What do you see as his his ceiling um, under the under center at Penn State? The the high ceiling is some people think this is a guy that's a quarterback that takes you to a college football playoff game, which is cool. The question, uh, but I mean, I feel like this is where the cynicism for us as Penn State fans sets in. Well, how many times have we seen a four-star quarterback come in and not be good? Uh, Too many kid, times. Did you know? Did you know Anthony Morelli was a five-star commit coming I in? I think. I think before Justin Shorter. Anthony Morelli was the highest rated recruit in Penn State history. So, you know that it's, you know, it's not a guarantee. We, we've we had some hits like Micah Parsons, but we've also had some duds like Ricky Slade and Justin Shorter. So, oh, don't be mean to Ricky Slade. It, I'm only like, he's only a dud because he didn't, st- like he didn't 
stay with the team. He didn't stay on the field. He's he's in he's in bad right now. You know, I I really liked Ricky Slade. I I thought he should have given it another year, but I it's thought unfortunate. They him more carries. I thought the whole deal with him was he give him two carries and don't do anything, and then he doesn't see the field for two quarters. Well, he didn't hold on to the ball very often, so that I'll give you that partially on him. But uh, if you looked at if you looked on the socials, uh, Ohio State fans really not happy to miss out on Alar, which makes me very very happy. Yeah, that's the part that makes me happy. And that's that's this is already our second big recruit out of Ohio with Caden Saunders signing back last summer. So it's that's huge for us. And I mean, you look at the the big size, 6'5", 220 is a really nice size for any quarterback. And I, I mean, that's the way it's going now. I, everyone likes their quarterbacks big. And uh, though I, I look at the picture of him, it, that's a very skinny 220, I have to say. But, you know, he's going to put on the weight by the time yeah. he comes in. He's working with Dwight Galt. He'll be he'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. And, and he's not going to be a guy that I think needs to start right away either. No. So I and also like you know I guess we still have two to three years of Sean Clifford left. No, please no. That's that we'll get into that conversation when we get into spring ball. <laughs> ah. All right. 